What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. So we're doing something a little bit different today. Because of the Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz fight, we're going to we're gonna begin with Doohan. Uh, as you know, Doohan was on the show last Friday previewing Joshua Ruiz. So I'm going to bring him back so we can talk about it, talk about the fallout and, and all that. And then I'll bring in John to do our normal Wednesday night, Thursday morning uh, podcast, and we're going to cover Takeover. We'll co- we'll cover the the best of Super Juniors and and, and preview a little bit of Dominion, and uh, do our normal Raw stuff. And there's also a UFC show for people who don't even know that uh, UFC is still is still doing big shows. There's a pay per view this weekend, UFC 238. John and I will quickly talk about that. It's not, it, it does have some pretty good fights on it, but just in the whole scheme of things, as we've talked about before. The UFC has lost a little bit of steam here. But anyways, so first, we're going to bring on Duan, and uh, let's get to it. Duan, what's going on? Hi, GG. Um, We're just coming off a big weekend. Um, You know, a big upset, of course. Um, It was a bad night for Anthony Joshua. He got it wrong. Um, But, you know, he didn't make any excuses about it. Um, I'm not going to make any excuses for him either. Uh, There's been speculation over what possibly went wrong in the lead up to this fight. I don't know whether it was something in his preparation or whether it was something that just went wrong in the night. You know, I'm sure knowing Joshua physically, he he was all there. Um... I'm sure he left no stone unturned in in that regard, you know. But for me, maybe just mentally, he wasn't quite as switched on as he needed to be going into that fight. The one I'd kind of draw comparisons to would be, maybe be the first Carl uh, Frotch George Groves fight, where you know Carl kind of came into that fight fight daydreaming a little bit. He got caught early, and you know he said himself it took six or six or seven rounds before he found himself uh, back in the fight and woke up a bit. Uh, I kind of saw that a little bit with in this in this fight with Joshua. I think maybe you know he not you know maybe he's just mentally wasn't as switched on as he needed to be. And you know when you get when you find yourself in a tough fight, it is hard to to pull the, pull that trigger um, when you're already in the midst of a battle. Um, and possibly also, you know, Andy Ruiz nice-guyed him a little bit and lulled him into a full sense of security into that build-up. Maybe, you know, he didn't feel as threatened as, you know, he needed to to re- really have ha- 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 have the spite in his work that he normally does. So <clears throat> we had actually mentioned some of these things as cautionary details in our in our preview of the fight. One being... His first fight in Madison Square Garden in the U.S. He's headlining this really big show, and there there is a lot of responsibility in doing that, especially from a, a relation, public relations standpoint, right? He had to do a lot of media, probably more so than on than on most occasions. Though I mean, he headlines huge fights in in in, uh, in the U.K. as well, but. There was something a little different. The pressure was probably a little different here. And I know that that he himself is not making any excuses whatsoever. But there were some claims, especially coming from his father, that he had actually been knocked down in a, in, a, in a sparring. And then also that he may have been a little nervous and had some anxiety issues before the fight. Did you hear any of this stuff? And, I mean, is that kind of the talk uh, around this, because you know, I, I've seen a couple of things about it, but it's not been made a, a big story at all. 
Um, yeah, it, it, those are the, the rumours during the rounds. Both Anthony Joshua and Eddie Hearn have denied them. Uh, like, there was kind of questions, I guess, that could be asked over... You know, Joshua was late doing his ring walk. He, he's never been late doing his r- r- ring walk before. Why was that the case? Um, you know, in th- this fight in particular. Um, you know, sparring stories, I always take with a, 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 a pinch of salt. You know, it, 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 gen- generally, you know, they they don't add up to much. But was it was it was uh, Joshua in some way beaten up coming into this fight? I don't know. I di- I don't think so. But you know, as you said, there was there, you know it's one of those ones that you look at now, and you know, obviously none of us saw this coming. But maybe it's one that when you look back at, you kind of sh- you, you should have seen seen that d- 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 there was the risk there. Yeah, for all the reasons you mentioned, you know, there, there was a, the change of opponent. We said in the preview that can sometimes leave leave a, a guy coming in flat when you you know there's a switch of opponent. Um, there was his first fight uh, in America. You know, both from. Uh, the perspective of having to do all the other work that you have to do in terms of promo and also just uh, acclimating to fighting an American, fighting at different times. Those type of things are different as well. And just, you know, he was going being sent into a fight where, you know, he was expected to win and win handily. That give, gives you the possibility for uh, his eye to be taken off the ball. And in Ruiz's case, you know that... Um, you know that this was the biggest opportunity of his life, and he was definitely going to bring it. So that that kind of creates all the uh, all, all the possible scenarios for for an upset. Um, you know, in terms of how the fight went down it, itself, um, there was things I didn't like about Joshua's performance right from the get go. Um, you know, one of the things he'd said in the lead up to this fight was that he doesn't like fighting shorter fighters generally he said he finds them hard he finds it harder to punch down and he's used to fighting big guys and i kind of didn't give that much credence i just thought it was a throwaway comment but i did notice that in early in this fight that you know he was finding difficulty uh punching down on ruiz and ruiz is making himself a small target and um i think what what for from for Joshua he he seemed to be targeting the head a lot um and you know Ruiz obviously had pretty good movement he wasn't that easy to tag and you know also I think what maybe surprised him a little bit was Ruiz wasn't as aggressive as I think I expected him to be and most people expected him to be those first couple of rounds were quite you know, uh, 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 slow, slow, uneventful rounds. And, you know, that, that also cranks up the pressure on Joshua. He's in a new market. He needs to make a statement. De- Deontay Wilder is just coming off a big uh, first round KO. You know, maybe he was, you know, a little bit agitated, a little bit tr- trying to get something wor- wor- working. Um, you know, he did eventually uh, start, like he landed at one or two nice shots to the body, nice jabs to the body, which I think slowed Ruiz down a little bit and landed, let him get off that big, big one-two combo to put him over. And, you know, then he just went with reckless abandon after that and he got caught. And, you know, I, I don't know whether it was the the first punch that knocked him down that maybe took something out of him or was it that, you know, after he got up, he, he, he had a... 
there was a lot of time left in that round where he was trying to weather the storm and he was taking an awful lot of sh- shots during that uh, that point. And, you know, these are big dudes th- throwing there now. Ruiz connected with a lot of shots in that time. And maybe J- J- Joshua uh, just didn't recover from them. Like, uh, there was certainly a lot of discomfort in the corner. You saw him... You know, he was at least so I'm asking what punches he got hit with. Um, you were you heard him asking him what what his tactics were supposed to be, and things like that. You know, he, he clearly w- was in a little bit of a ha- haze. Uh, you know, for for the rounds to follow, and you know, we have seen Anthony Joshua buzzed and dropped before, uh, but usually what happens is you know, he'll it takes some time to weather the storm he'll fight it off and he'll battle back and you kind of have to give credit to Ruiz because he didn't let him off the hook in this instance uh, you know he 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 didn't go wild uh, he didn't uh, give Joshua any chance to get back in the fight he just kept working it over and waited for his opportunity to come tactically i thought Ruiz was was pretty brilliant because even when he got knocked down in that third round i think everybody who was watching this fight, even people in Ruiz's corner probably thought like, oh no, this is probably the end of it. And so I don't know if he's playing possum. I don't know if he was, uh, you know, he was able to stick to his game plan, which was like you said, to not be as aggressive and to counterpunch. But Joshua himself looked like he was like, okay, I got my, like Wilder got his and I got mine and, and we're good. And he comes in. And Ruiz just went from, like, being knocked down to firing these rapid fire punches. And it caught Joshua off guard. I'm, I'm almost sure that it caught him off guard because he was not ready for some of these punches when, you know, you got to be ready at all times. And then in the seventh round, what I thought was maybe the most brilliant thing I've seen in a, in a fight in a long time is Joshua hits him with a shot and Ruiz gives him a little bit of like a, almost like a yeah you got me and I'm and, and I'm kind of reacting to this punch so that Joshua comes back inside, but he was clearly faking, and once Joshua comes back inside, boom 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 again, and so you know part of this is a Joshua probably m- overlooked him a little bit, b you know maybe all the all the responsibilities involved uh, played a part in this. Uh, and see not Joshua's best night, but I think the credit in in some of this and taking advantage of it has to go to Ruiz because he fought such a brilliant fight strategically. And I don't know if Ruiz is going to win a, a fight like this ever again in his life, but on this night, man, like everything just came to uh, perfection for him. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you, you do have to give him credit, and you know he he now holds uh, three of the four, four world titles in heavyweight boxing. So that make, makes him the number one heavyweight in the world for at least for the moment. You know there is going to be a rematch. Uh, you know Joshua's team took no, no time. Uh, even considering that you know it was always, always going to be that there would be a rematch and that you know it, it, we're looking at probably November December for that uh, it should be in the UK you 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 would expect and um, you know it, it's a it's a risk though because generally speaking when a guy gets knocked out you don't put him straight back in with the same guy again you usually uh, give him a warm up fighter to to get the wheels back under him uh, in Joshua's case, he doesn't really have that luxury. His bouts are so big and he is at such a level that, you know, 
he needs to be in world title fights all the time. He's, yeah. He needs to be in high-profile bouts. They need to be big money fights. And, you know, he's going to have to go back in and he's going to have to uh, have to get to get to win against Andy, Andy Ruiz the second time around. It's, it's his whole career is going to be on, on the line in that fight. You know, uh, I, I, I think, you know, nine out of ten times... Uh, Normally, Joshua wins the fight, but you know, with, you know, Ruiz does have that that psychological edge now, having having got got that knockout. So, how does this change the big picture? Because I think a lot of people, I, I've heard so many mixed messages. Some people have said this is the best thing that could have happened for the division. Dan Raphael was like, "Well, I had been putting together, I'd kept my notes on everything that's happened to set up this fight, and I just threw that file away because nothing's going to happen now." Where do you sit on what this means for the overall heavyweight picture? Um, I think it's changed a lot. I think we're looking at a very different landscape now. And, you know, we I, I said before we were a long way away from uh, Joshua Wilder to begin with. I think we're even a lot further away <laughs> from, the, from it now. Um, you know... From Joshua's perspective, he's got this for like his 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 next his like first and foremost goal has to be now getting his belt back. Um, you know, if he beats Ruiz, Ed in in the rematch, do they have to do a third one? Does Ruiz then maybe have to have to get his rematch? So that that could pull Joshua till uh you know mid twenty twenty. Wilder, we already know, is sewed up in uh. A number of f- fights, as we spoke spoke about uh, earlier last weekend, and uh, you know, I, I and also I, you know, Wilder never wanted to fight Joshua to begin with, and I think this gives them a kind of an out as such. Um, and you know, like I've never really seen somebody as happy to lose <laughs> the biggest payday of their career as <laughs> Deontay Wilder was. Um, you know, he, he's he's never really like made serious negotiations to fight Joshua. And you know, I think if he was overplaying his hand before, now he's going to really overplay it because he he kind of has some argument of that like oh well Joshua's been beaten so I you know I think there's a lot to work out and just politically I think it's very going to be hard to work out as well because you know the, 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 those the governing bodies are going to come asking for mandatory challenges and they're going to start stripping titles um I've from what I've heard at the moment all of the three uh, sanctioning bodies. Uh, that, that Ruiz's titles are with um, are willing to, you know, uh, again sanction for 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 the rematch. But what could well happen? What you may well see happen is what you often see happen um, is that one of them calls a mandatory immediately after the, the, that fight is finished. You know, they'll call for a fight the, the number one contender to be. Fit, fought within like 30 days or something which will just not be possible and then you'll see uh, the, the belt vacated and the division or the, uh, the titles fragmented again and you know we we have to go back through that process of c- collecting them all up for the undisputed fight so I think it does put uh, the division out of whack a little bit and you know it'll just be interesting to see what type of business you know, this brings bring brings to the heavyweight division. You know, does Andy Ruiz become a player now? Is 
Ruiz Joshua did Ruiz Joshua rematch a bit a big fight? Um, it was that'll remain to be seen. You know, Joshua has been very successful as a winning fighter as a draw. You know, are the people going to be on board for that journey to it's you know to see him get his t- titles back? What about DAZN? DAZN is this fledging streaming network. They've paid a ton of money out for boxing that they are never going to make back unless. You know, they're able to get some bigger sports in the U.S., like football or basketball or something, um, to get those subscriber numbers up. But, you know, that Joshua is such a big deal in uh, not only in the heavyweight division, but just in, in you know, in the U.K. And, and overseas. But here, the idea was to make him into this big draw in the U.S., and I think the strategy was somewhat working, and this was part of part of that deal. But DAZN, especially in the United States, they can't be happy with this, though there is intrigue in the rematch because I but I think they have to portray this right. And I think Andy Rodriguez has to portray this correctly, which is he has to be sold as the everyday man, uh, you know, and, and that Mexican fan base. Though some Mexicans, you know, some 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 actual, you know, not non Mexican Americans, you know, may may see through that because, you know, that's just the way that they react to some of the stuff. But as a Mexican American, there's a fan base there. If Joshua wins this rematch, it's gonna probably be in front of an audience that is one and a half times what people saw last weekend. So, if this happens, I feel like this is. For the better, as far as DAZN is concerned, even if I don't think this was very good for Anthony Joshua. Well, there's kind of two things to weigh up there. Uh, you know, there's there's been a, a kind of a tug of war a little bit with Matrium as to where their talent goes between uh, America and the UK. You know, Sky Sports were, were getting kind of annoyed with um Hearn for shipping off a lot of their top fighters, you know, the guys they would want headlining on a Saturday night um, off to do do shows in, on the zone. And in from, like, Hearn's perspective, he was saying, like, you know, my fighters want to fight in America because the zone is paying so much money, you know. Why would they want to fight at home when they can get, like, three to four times the purse abroad? Um, but, you know, Sky Sports is his core market and the uk is his core market uh, you, you know sky are not going to be happy that like uh their top draw was beaten out in america at, on a pay-per-view event that was you know at four or five o'clock in the m- morning um so this so like I, i'm sure sky are going to want th- that rematch back in the uk so you know that that's probably going to be unfavorable hours for the zone will you see anthony joshua come back to america I, I, like you know should he get the, the win in this fight uh, that, that'll remain to be seen so there's another fight on this weekend which is triple g's first appearance uh on the zone and he is fighting a guy that i i will i will admit that i don't know at all um do you know anything about Steve Rolls? All I know is that he's being touted as an undefeated Canadian. Yeah, I know f- very little about Steve Rolls. Um, he is 19 and 0, but he's never really uh, even been on a big show, let alone in a big fight before. Um, he's 35 years old, so 
I'm guessing he's probably not this great underscore for gem at this stage <laughs> of his career. Um, it, 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 rankings wise, he's got like you know the WBC's number fifteen, he's number eight in the IBF, but they both kind of seem to be. You know, rankings he's been manoeuvred into a little bit. If you look at it, uh, where he's viewed as box rec, he's 79, number 79 in the world. Um, he's really not had any major wins or knockouts over, to- like, even top 10 guys. So, you know, to say it's a huge ask would be a ma- massive, massive understatement. Golovkin coming back now, two close fights with Canelo Alvarez, probably feels hard done boy to have got got nothing out of the two of them mm-hmm. um you know when you had two close fights as close as that you maybe you probably feel you should have at least got one win um he's got a whole he's got a new team around him he's got jonathan banks in training he seems refreshed he seems ready to go he puts on a big performance here as i assume he will uh and hopefully comes through it unscathed, and then maybe you'll see him the 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 trilogy completed in um, September. Yeah, and that is, that you know that would be the biggest fight Dazone could possibly do at this point. So it seems like all things were are kind of leaning leaning that way. But uh, thanks, doing. I know that you know doing it midweek is is a little bit hard for both of us. But I really appreciate you jumping on. I know that. You know, based on our preview, uh, I, I definitely wanted to ask you your thoughts on on the outcome of the fight. And look, I mean, you know, I, I know boxing is what it is in the U.S. You know, it's still sort of like, you know, a more an event sport than 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 an every week sport. But this is one of the biggest upsets of uh, of recent memory. So I think it's important for people to uh, to just realize that, like, even though it didn't happen on HBO or it didn't happen on pay-per-view, you know, the, the outcome is what it is. And and uh, and this was a big one. So I really appreciate you jumping on to talk about it. Yeah, you no, know, it's it fun to do. And um, yeah, just the last word on Anthony Joshua um, you know I, I know there's going to be people who are, are going to try write him off but like you have to remember two of the great, greatest heavyweight champions of like the modern era uh, Lennox Lewis and Vladimir Klitschko both came back from si- similar defeats you know Lennox had two, two big knockouts loss uh, Vladimir had three on his way up and you know Joshua's still a young guy um, and you know we did not to say that we saw this coming in this fight but there was always the risk with him you know he plays with fire a lot he's been stunned he's been rocked in fights and you know at some point there was there was always the risk like you know he's learning on the job at some point there was you did have that risk that like he would he would be he would be knocked out or he would be caught at, at some point but you know it's it happened sooner than we we expected now we have to see how he comes back from it Absolutely. All right, Duan, thanks. Uh, And we are now going to bring John on to talk about the rest of the stuff. All right, now John's on. John, just talked to Duan about the Joshua fight. We are going to talk the New Japan show, Best of Super Juniors, uh, the finals. Uh, And then we're going to talk about TakeOver, which was last weekend, which we saw together. We'll talk a little bit about the UFC, and then we'll get into our raw recap. But because it's kind of fresh on my mind, um, the last three matches of the Best of Super Juniors were so amazing. But it also made me wonder, because that TakeOver show was also so good, 
if you took the last three matches of the Super Juniors and the last three matches of the TakeOver show, which did you like better? That's tough, but, you know, I think Kashina and Io was good, but not to the level of those last three of the New Japan show, right? So, right. So that probably puts New Japan show ahead, but I just want to, I don't want to really want to, I mean, I personally don't want to compare them because they're both like really excellent shows and we're kind of spoiled as wrestling fans now. We're getting all these like really good matches like on a weekly or daily basis, it seems like. Like yep. you can just pull up great matches everywhere now. It's like wrestling fans don't, know, I don't think they understand how lucky they are where they just click a button and then they can watch a show from across the world and see a great match before we'd have to wait like six weeks for a tape to get in <laughs> you know they got to know the right connections to tape with or know the right japanese uh video store to go rent them from and and it's just uh you know it's amazing that uh all this good wrestling and i i, I love the new japan show i, I just watched the last three matches because i know we were recording tonight and we want to talk about it so i just i saw the card and i was like okay i can I can. I kind of wanted to watch the Okada tag the match before the Tanahashi Jay White because I really want to see Brody King and uh, Okada go at it, but they have times so that uh, I thought you know thought it was a spectacular show. Um, same thing with Takeover. I thought it was just a, a real a lot of fun to watch. So I mean, we like we don't have to compare it, but but the thing that I thought was it's interesting because both main events were fast paced matches mm-hmm. um and you know when we were watching cole and gargano there were a couple moments in that match where i thought a they some of it was a little bit too much rehearsed for me uh but b there it was moving so fast that nothing sometimes the the well, what they did i wasn't able to like sit with it and it, it couldn't marinate because they were just boom next thing and so I looked, I watched the, the main event, the uh, Takagi against Osprey match, kind of wondering if I was going to feel the same way because, you know, Osprey has like six finishers, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't feel the same way. Like, I, th- I felt like I was able to kind of take in everything. And I don't know if you felt the same way about either match, but just... You know, when I think of both of those matches, I think the reason why I liked Osprey and Takagi a little bit more um, is just because I was able to sort of soak in some of the stuff, whereas the other match, I just felt like it was moving so quickly, I was just on to the next thing, on to the next thing, and I wasn't able to sit with some of the great stuff that they were doing. Yeah, like on the you know, Gargano and um, the Cole match, like we both, you know, both and I agree, it's like the first, like, I don't know, a few minutes felt like synchronized swimming for sure. You know, it was just very that choreographed opening and uh, I really didn't get into it. But until but they they kicked into gear and I really oh, yeah. I really liked it a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, Osprey and Shingo was it's probably my favorite Osprey match he's ever had. I'm trying to think of like other ones that I liked. And I think this is this definitely has to be it. I mean, I think I saw the Osprey that I want to see. I thought maybe the finish was a little excessive. Like yeah. I thought like maybe could have ended a few minutes or maybe a few, few minutes, you know, maybe two or three minutes earlier. Cause they, they kept kicking out. <laughs> finisher. Well, I was cracking up because I was like, okay, so the Os cutter didn't put him away. So let's do the Os cutter from the top rope. And I was like, okay, that should mm-hmm. put him away. And he's like, Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> 
I have to add the Stormbreaker on top of it. Well, you knew that the Stormbreaker is going to be the finish. That's what's going to finish people. Yeah, with. That's yeah, why yeah. I like. And it, 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 you know, I thought that he could have hit, like I said, a few minutes earlier. And I would have been, it would have been great. Um, but I thought, I thought the real story of that match is actually Shingo. I mean, Tagagi was like, that was the match of his life, in my opinion. And I think that guy, I know he's a, they, they, when he brought him in, they put him in the junior, they, he filled a spot for, uh, um, for uh, Hiromo, who got hurt. But man, he should be wrestling the heavyweight division, you know. If he's, you know, not that much smaller than Osprey's, Osprey's in the heavyweight division, too, as well. So definitely want to see that transition because there'd be some great matches. Can you imagine uh, Tagagi and Tanahashi and Akada and et cetera? Like, yeah. There's a lot of great matches for that guy um, in the heavyweight division, and and uh, I can see that happening soon. I, the only thing I did not like about this match that just drove me insane was when Kev, I don't know why I watched the English commentary. God, I don't know why I did this because I like the Japanese commentary better. Just this more dramatic to me, even though I don't know half the stuff they're saying. But like Kevin Kelly, just he so he choreographs kickouts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I thought the same thing on the specifically like was, that one. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, he, he put it in the bank. It's yep. over now. Yep. And it's yep. like, okay, he's kicking out. Yep. It's like, you know, I'm not a big fan of just Kevin Kelly's voice in general. Like, I just don't think it's a good announcing voice personally. I don't know. I just don't connect with him. And I just thought that really pissed me off when he said that. I was like, oh, man, come on. Don't say that, you know. Well, I, the thing that I think when when I hear that is – Oh yeah, he was coached by Vince, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's probably where he got it. But I felt, yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, okay, like I, you know, they're they're not. But then again, I also feel like one of the good things about those matches is you sort of know when they're gonna kick out. Like, mm-hmm. I, like uh, there there is a rhythm to to how they do those matches. So I didn't think that that was the finish. So. I wasn't too bothered by it, but I, but I do get what you're saying. Um, the- well, just so everyone knows who's listening, you know, to this podcast, like if you don't know what we're talking about, the rhythm is like if you see a guy kicking out of one guy's finisher, the other guys that kick out of his finisher, it's just guaranteed. Yep. it's like it just drives me nuts. Yep. So, by the way, if, if people can, he- I don't know if people can hear this, but I have a fan on in my room just in case there is a faint buzz in the background. It's just hotter than hell out in the Bay Area. Um, so, so that that was a great match. Obviously, you know, Osprey wins. I did you hear his interview? I didn't. I didn't stick with the interview because I had to run to watch a Warriors game. No, I did not. I I, I had to get back to work, <laughs> so I didn't, uh, didn't get to catch the interview part. But uh, I saw like the transcript, and and I guess he's moving to Japan and gonna be living there. And thank the New Japan office for helping him find a place out there. And that's what's pretty cool. What do you think about Will? So, obviously, Kenny Omega leaves New Japan. Um, Jay White is is kind of the guy who they tag to be the replacement or or be that in that spot. And I think Jay White's doing doing a really good job. But do you think Will could fill those shoes, those former Kenny Omega shoes, because he has really turned up the heat as far as performances? Uh, in the last six months, like he, he feels like a guy who could be the next guy, you know? Oh, definitely. I think they're grooming for that. 
honestly. I was just thinking, like, what if they go all out with him and he wins the G1 as well and challenges Okada at the Dome? Could be a hell of a match. Could be a hell of a story, too, you know? That, that would be crazy. My only worry about him is just, obviously just being injured, right? Like, you, if, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're so worried about him being hurt, it's kind of hard to, to go all the way. You know, you look at someone like Okada, he's never hurt. Uh, you know Tanahashi can, can Tanahashi is always going to be be working hurt, but he's he's uh, he's just tough as nails and and you know you so that that would be the one thing I wonder about Will, but I do think he's got a magnetism to him that Omega has as well, and uh, and it just uh, you know I just started thinking like he he instead of Jay maybe he becomes the guy but you know it's it's great to have both of them you know on, on the roster. Um, so let's actually talk about the Juice Robinson and John Moxley match. I think this is the one that everyone was looking forward to the most uh, for the for the show. This was the one that you know if any if if you watched one match and you're a fan from the U.S., this was probably the one you watched because there there was just such supreme interest in how Moxley was going to do uh, in his first match at New J- in New Japan, and I thought he did a great job. Now you know I think Juice. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't, obviously we'd have to talk to him or think about, you know, or hear from him how he thought about this match. But I almost felt like Juice was like, okay, this, you know, everyone's here to see Mox. Like, I'm going to turn my game up big time because I know the 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 level and the eyeballs that are going to be on this match. Because I thought Juice just was awesome in this match. Yeah, they both are great. I mean, this you know, I like this Dean Ambrose or this John Moxley, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think yeah, you could tell he's motivated, and and I enjoyed the wildness. Um, I couldn't believe when they were trying to go for the hardware, uh, blood, you know, doing the knuckles to the top of the uh, the bone on by the you know, yeah, the eye socket there. Where you can, it's easy to you know pop someone there and cut. And they're going for hard rate juice, and I was like, "Wow, you know, we don't see that. <laughs> you rarely ever see that anymore." And uh, I thought it was wild. It was crazy. It was violent. Um, uh, juice was, yeah, I agree. Juice was awesome. Great baby, great baby face. Uh, great registering the pain, the selling. Um, I that dive out a little ill advised. I think and I <laughs> broke his hip, like. I think he hurt his ass pretty bad on that one. Oh, and, you mean um, you mean you mean the when he overshot the the yeah. yeah 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 yeah. My gosh, I thought that was it. I thought the match was ending there. You know, I just thought how he could get up from that, but he pulled through. Adrenaline kicked in. I wonder how he's going to feel tomorrow or or today. Yeah, I, I thought there were a couple different moments where I could tell he was so revved up. That was one because he overshot the target, and the other one was when he did that little cannonball into Dean uh, or into Mox on the table on the outside, the table that was perched up because he overshot that too. <laughs> like he mm-hmm. missed, he missed Dean's head completely. I'm like, okay, this guy's, this guy's really jazzed up for this match. The other thing I liked about this is, you know, Mox hits the dirty deeds and then he kind of hits like an implant version of the dirty deeds to win the match. And like juice was just like, pissed right like he's walking to the back he's so mad that he lost this match i thought that was really good because you know he has a new edge to this character that didn't previously exist and i like it i really like i mean he came out you know with a different haircut he was all fired up um he wasn't 
he wasn't really like playing to the crowd as the you know the american baby face doing all you know setting up that punch or whatever like he really he really revved it up and you know they had a they had a fight it, it was it was like a fight and i thought i was just impressed you know obviously moxley was great too like this is if this is the moxley that we get i would love to see him in g1 like he he was he was fantastic but uh but juice is the one to me where i was like okay I, I, I'm happy with Mox, but Juice also stepped his game up. And I hope people realize, you know, that Juice also was at Moxley's level or maybe even a tick bit higher uh, in this match. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you. Definitely, definitely. And uh, now don't go and watch the Juice backstage promo because it'll just ruin, <laughs> your whole, ruin your whole day or thought about this match because he cut a horrible, shitty-ass promo putting over – John Moxley, and it was just like he was pissed because he lost, but he still put over John. Like, was this the guy that tried to stab you? Like, <laughs> you're really gonna cut like to put him over how like better he is now, and just eight years since you last saw him, or whatever the heck it was. It's just like, yeah, like I mean, I get it. Like, overproduced promos is really hurting WWE right now. And yeah, it's been hurting WWE for a long time. But there's some producing that needs to go <laughs> on. So at least some guidelines. Some bullet points is what, you know, he, he said, hey, you still got to be pissed. He lost, you know, and 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 uh, I mean, he had some good intensity in his promo, but like he was just like, what are you talking about, bro? Like this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that match. And uh, it's good to see John Moxley, this new character and this or an old character, maybe that's come back. And he just he's just revved up and he's turned it up to 11 as they say mm-hmm. and i think it's gonna be interesting to see and if the rumors are true you know him and g1's gonna be really really interesting um i kind of expected the title change to happen once this match was signed i did not feel this was gonna be a one-time deal yeah and i think it's a good move on New japan because you know dallas tickets are the best right yeah so now you throw john moxie on there maybe helps boost some ticket sales uh for that event so um yeah yeah great match so the other match i feel like people are sleeping on it because it was pretty much what everyone expected which is Mm -hmm. jay white and tanahashi but i came out of this thinking two things one i love the dirty goatee on jay white like it gave him a little bit more of an edge to his heel character Makes him look like a man now, not like a boy. Exactly, I loved it. He's 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 like leaned out a little bit as well. Um, and the other the other thought I had out of this was, Tanahashi's the best fucking babyface, like like maybe of all time. Like oh my god, I would I like I you know it's so funny because, the way that I watch wrestling, is a little different than when I was you know when I was younger, and so I, I kind of watch it through the eyeballs of. You know, obviously, you want to see a, a really good match, but it's also like, okay, like, what's the smart thing? Like, 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 what is what would be cool for business, and and what's like maybe the smart finish here? Like, who goes over? And I just found myself watching this match, just like cheering for Tanahashi, like I was like twelve years old again. It was he was so good at selling everything in this match, and uh, and just I, you know. Both performances were great, but I think this is getting a little bit overlooked because, you know, it wasn't the main event and, you know, didn't go 35 minutes. But uh, I really love this match. Yeah, it's definitely 
getting overlooked and it's you know it's gonna happen when you got those two matches that followed it and it is okay it was like a perfect match perfect third from the top right and Tanahashi like I said was brilliant as always he is one of the greatest I've ever seen um definitely in my top top five when it comes to performing and I mean he's the master out there he's definitely the master storyteller and like just like the register of the pain on the arm and like he couldn't get his grip on stuff like the attention to detail was just so good i even liked that the moment and you know the, this is how cool like new japan fans or fans of japanese Jap, the, the japanese fans like they are watch everything and they're not looking to get themselves over they're just looking to enjoy and get sucked into the story and like when he has to do the dragon screw with his legs for help, uh-huh. because his arms are so beaten. Like that was like a great reaction, and it's like that was so cool and so smart too. Like I mean, he, Tanahashi, he thinks beyond a lot of guys, you know. Yep. Like, yep. He's just he's just he's a throwback, and it's you know he's I don't know how long he's gonna be around for, but we definitely gotta enjoy his you know his work until then and and he's gonna i mean he's gonna be back and who knows god he got the g1 showing up like what classics are you gonna come out with that one well you know what i was thinking after this show was over and specifically after this match was aew and new japan you know we've talked about this they obviously you you know we, we we all probably think that they're gonna at some point work together but this show with and if you think about the AEW show from a couple weeks ago, like it just, it just, they are a perfect marriage. And ROH just feels like a sinking ship right now. Um, and it's not because of the guys who are wrestling there, obviously. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys I love, Jeff Cobb being, you know, A number one. But just as a company, they don't feel hot anymore. And AEW feels like it's, you know, it, it's going to be uh, super hot. But I just thought, you know, imagine having a home and home, one match in in Japan and one match in the U.S. of Jericho and Tanahashi. Like, how great would that be with both of those guys and the characters that they are in today? And then, you know, wherever the third, you know, the the third match is, the rubber match, wherever that happens, who who cares? But just a best of three with Jericho and Tanahashi. I was just like, I need to see that now after, you know, just after watching Tanahashi do like the best baby face performance I've seen in such a long time. But I, I they need to work together. I think they will. I think it's gonna happen uh sooner than later. I think there's a I mean just the I know Jericho and, and Moxley are cutting their own deals, but I still think somehow, some way, you know, obviously Tony Khan AEW are somewhat involved or in some kind of good I think it's going to happen. I think they're going to... But but then again, like, dude, Japan's doing all right without them either. You know, like, they don't need Omega. Like, they're doing... They're doing good business and, and things are things are going good. And then what does hap- that happen to guys like Jay White and them? They go down a peg or they, or they elevated or they, you know, maybe maybe Jay White beats Omega or something like that. They can, they can book in the future. But I, but I think it's going to happen. I think it definitely is going to be where... I mean... I know New Japan, the, you know, the Japanese culture is very loyal, very honorable. But at the same time, it's a business. And, you know, ROH is not really fulfilling doing much. I mean, 
why not go with AEW? And you can do so much, get more exposure because they're going to be on national television you know, or uh, you know cable television. So the the Dominion card was just released as we were uh, going into this the the, the New Japan show. So uh, Okada Jericho for the IWGP title, Kota Bushi and Naito for the Intercontinental title, Dragon Lee and Will Ospreay for the Juniors title. Gorillas of Destiny versus Evil and Sonata for the tag titles. Taichi and Ishii for the open weight title. Tanahashi, Juice, and Taguchi versus Jay White, Chase Owens, and Ishimori. Jushin Thunder Liger and Yoshihashi versus Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. And Sat- <laughs> this is kind of an interesting one. Uh, Kojima versus Shingo Takagi. And John Moxley versus Shota Umino. There's your card. Like it, yeah. Like, all, like a lot of those matches, and uh, it's going to be another crazy event. I'm so I'm I'm most interested in, of course, Okada Jericho. I want to see what Jericho has planned and what's going to come out of it. You know. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, okay. So we kind of talked a little bit about it, but Takeover was last weekend. It's, you know, not, not that it's old news, but you know, people have been talking about it for a few days already. Um, it's, it was Takeover 25. And I think the interesting comparison is in the Takeover show that we went to in Brooklyn at the Barclays. Now, my memories of that show are not as great because I didn't really like that arena. But also, I was just tired as all hell. <laughs> I think I'd slept like two hours the night before. Um, so I was probably not in, in a great mood. And I know during the, the, the Pete Dunne and Walter match, like I had to like really try and do something to, to keep my eyes open just because I was so tired. But, um, you know, thinking back, like, do, do you have a do you do you have an opinion on which one you like better? But then again, I forget you. You guys had to miss the main event. Yeah, we had a bail. We had a bail to make another show for... I didn't want to let our good friend Dave Dusha travel the streets of New York alone. So we all... <laughs> myself and the Heartbreak Kid Rubio decided to join him. And it ended up, for us, being one of our favorite nights. We didn't get to get in the show because it was sold out. The one that Dave Dutra on here is like one of the worst shows in WrestleMania weekend. <laughs> Unfortunately for him, he's just... Yeah, he wishes it was just a bad memory. But, uh... But, um... But for us, Ruby and I, we just hit the bars of New Jersey and had a great time. You guys, well, you guys walked the town, talked about life. Yeah, it was awesome. It was bo- uh, boys' night out. Uh, but definitely, this show was better than the than the, than the Barkus one. I think for match, like every match in this show was great. Um, I'm not a big fan of ladder matches, and I love this ladder match. I was I cringing a lot during that match. Oh yeah, though. yeah, it was dangerous as hell. Someone should. have been seriously injured but like like each thing built really well and the finish was perfect when montes ford the springboard and landed right on the ladder and and looked at him and and um again that look had that character moment which i talked about last week um i thought personally that takeover blew away overall uh aw show for sure mm-hmm. um you know, like a lot of people like want to knock WWE right now, and and but like what WWE does like a lot better than AEW so far. I can just tell is like creating these moments for like if you're watching the 
these matches, like you're getting to these characters that, that NXT has. You know, you can see these moments, these character moments. Ray AEW has a lot of great action, but you know, you know, I can't. You know, there's no character moment for T Hawk. There's no character moment for uh, uh, what's his name, Chucky T. You know what I mean? They're all like interchangeable. Like, cause just great. They had a great action, but like when Cody and Dustin wrestle, they have a great match. Great great character moments that we and that's why it's probably the best match it was the best match in that show mm-hmm. same thing with jericho and uh, omega but i thought this show you know was a little better overall um take over uh 25 and i thought you know there's some killer stuff and and uh, the opener was a nice perfect opener and the ladder match is great um you know it's just i think one of the better takeovers in a long time I will say, because, and I can compare both of them, I I think I probably like the AEW show better if we're looking at, like, top three or top four matches. The problem with what you said is that the AEW show, like, the beginning of that show was all about sort of setting a tone for, you know, getting you kind of excited for the end of the show because when I, you know, when I'm when I'm waiting for those last three matches to happen, I'm talking to the people in front of me and I'm like this show's moving really fast. Do we only have these last three matches left? So, you know, it's more about setting a pace, I think, but you know, you're right in that, you know, those first few matches, you know, and not 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 that we're going to bring up the Jim Cornette conversation but you know he his issue was especially in that battle royal like he just didn't know who anybody was and I, I sort not not that I didn't know who people were but I don't know their characters as well as like the hardest of the hardcores like Orange Cassidy you know we talked about him um, but I do think that you know bang for bang the last three versus the last three I think they're very favorable um I don't know that I liked anything on the TakeOver show as much as I like Cody and Dustin, but, you know, you're really, like, it's really about taste. You know, at the end of the day, you know, that's that's what it's going to come down to because Cody and Dustin, as well as Tanahashi and Jay White, um, those are my favorite kind of matches because there's so much emotion and passion and storytelling involved in those matches versus the <clears throat> bing, 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 mm-hmm. great athleticism, amazing kickouts, you know, on the, on your seat, on the seat of your pants, you know, trying to figure out who's going to win. Like, that's what Cole and Gargano was. Similar, you know, Young Bucks and, and, uh, and Lucha Bros. But, yeah, like, th- like those those kinds of matches are, are my favorite. So it's really, you know, it's, it's, it goes to the old, uh, you know, Ross will say this and Jim Cornette will always say this, you know, what do you like chocolate or vanilla right like it's just a different whatever your style is and then i just lean a little bit more towards that style yeah i'm not not knocking to be an asshole i just think i think when the tv comes in october that you'll see we're gonna see a lot more storytelling they're gonna have to be a lot more storytelling in in these matches right they're gonna be matches are gonna be just flat out barn burners but like there's gonna be those Character I don't think you hire guys like Arn Anderson, D. Malenko, you know, as agents, and they're gonna like you know they're not gonna do much. They're just gonna be there. Less, I don't, you know, they're. I think they're gonna be help these guys flush out everything in between, right? Because mm-hmm. the moves don't mean anything unless there's 
some character moments to grab onto, right? You, you know, the, the moves the, the moves are just means to an end to get to those moments to build the character. That's that's who we gravitate to, right? We, we gravitate to these characters. Like we didn't love Ric Flair because he's the figure four. We love Ric Flair because he was jets flying, you know, you know, kiss dealing with you know that kind of mm-hmm. guy. So that, that that's what that's what I think AW is going to have to bring for the TV. And I'm excited because I think they can't do it. I really do. And and I think this show, you know, Double or Nothing was just like, it's already in the books, you know what I mean? And now, like, when it comes to future events, I think we're going to see that. And I hope that opens some eyes because look how great and dramatic Dusty and Cody, Dustin and Cody was. Yep. And, and I know not every match will be that great or have that kind of dynamic. But, like, you know, I want to see a little more of that um, going forward. And I think we will. So let's actually move on and talk about UFC 238. I, I feel bad a little bit because if this was five years ago, we would probably be leading with UFC news every week. But, you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago about it just feels a little flat right now. The UFC in of itself doesn't feel hot. It feels very uh, sort of robotic and programmatic and like a lot of... Um, it doesn't feel organic anymore to me, but you know their big shows generally deliver, and I think UFC 234 or sorry 238 is going to be a really good show. Uh, Henry Cejudo and Marlon Moraes in the main event, uh, Valentina Shevchenko and Jessica I, and the fight that I think everyone is looking forward to the most is uh, Ferguson and Cerrone. Uh, you know, I, I don't imagine this was on your uh, your schedule for this weekend as like must see, and I know that I think I realized it maybe on Monday that there was a, a pay per view uh, this weekend. But any any like immediate thoughts on the card and anything that you feel like is must see or that you really 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 want to watch? Yeah, you, like you're right. Like honestly, it wasn't on my radar, which a lot of these USC events lately have not been. But then when I started like getting the advertisements on my social media and seeing some like posters and some uh, match graphics. I started going like, damn, I kind of want to watch this pay-per-view now. Right. But like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch it. I just, just like a small, like, we'll see how Saturday goes for me. Like I might just, just get on the ESPN plus, you know, maybe, maybe I might be, you know, check it out, see how the price is and, and make a decision, but uh, I, I'm curious. You know, I want to see. I always like Jessica. I like to see her do good. Um, but the fight I really want to see is, uh, you know, Cerrone and uh, Ferguson. That's gonna be nuts. Like those two guys in there. Like that's just, that's just. I, I mean, I hope it's a great fight. I mean, it it, it should be. You know, it's in a real fight. You never know what you're gonna get. But like, I just think it, it should be a war. And I like that main event too. Cejudo and Marias, uh, and I think. Uh, I think Cejudo will take this this fight. Um, Marias has been good, but I think Cejudo's on the on the level right now. So I hope he retains because I I like to see him keep building up his reputation. And you've been kicking butt on the uh, the picks this year, jeez. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, I've actually got to turn my picks in soon, but maybe I'll wait. I've been know I've been doing. I've been doing it later, so I've been doing a little more research. So maybe that's why I'm doing a little better this year, but. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's uh, if I'm picking those three fights. Oh man, um, Cejudo, as I said, uh, I can't go with Jessica. I unfortunately, I know. 
and and Saroni and Ferguson is so hard because you just don't know what's going to – it's just like it can go either way. Ferguson is a beast, but Saroni has been fighting lately and always – but he's always ready to fight, right? So, oh, my God. I, just, I can't make a decision right now. That's a rough one. I, I feel like we'll we'll get close to a split of, uh, of votes for that one when, when we uh, do that. And we'll, we'll post all of our, of our picks on uh, – I'll probably post them Saturday morning before the, before the show – but yeah, that that should be that should be really really good stuff. Um, all right, so let's get to raw nineteen. We're almost at twenty. Twenty will be next week. But um, so that you know that we've been doing this for this is the nineteenth week we've been doing this. So it's actually it's actually kind of fun. I, I was wondering uh, if it would still be as fun as we got through a lot of these shows as it was in the beginning. But I, I still really really enjoy flipping on that show and just watching it. Yeah, I look forward to like I, every week. I look forward to like, oh yeah, I get to watch Rob ninety three, and and it's just it's just a lot of fun. And and this show has its ups and downs. wasn't the best, but like you can't every show can't be, you know, the May seventeenth show with the you know title change and the great upset, all that stuff. Yeah, so you you'll have to kind of flesh out some of the stuff that was going on in these matches. Like I watched, I watched, but I was kind of doing a couple I, I was working and i needed to watch this uh, early because there was a warriors game tonight it was the finals so i, I kind of watched it during the day when i was when i was working so if i missed anything definitely go ahead and uh, flesh it out so show starts with uh pa- i think they called it patriotic day on monday night raw and hacksaw cuts a promo and gets the crowd to start chanting USA to open the show. So like we said, you know, the one of the things I like about this show is that they are willing to try different things. They they don't have the same open generally and you know, sometimes they they will do the just the the open with Vince and and Bobby and Mach, but you know, they tried different things like this and I thought this was kind of fun. It's like, "Oh, this is a little bit different from where you we're used to." And we get Hacksaw cutting a promo and, you know, st- just letting us know like, "Oh, yeah, this is Memorial Day." So, everyone, you know, this is there's going to not not that there was necessarily a theme to this show, but they definitely and I guess maybe they did use it in the end with mm-hmm. the uh, Yokozuna promo, but or the Mr. Fuji promo, but yeah, this is kind of cool, just different, you know, just always trying to to experiment and test and 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 i like that yeah me too i liked it too but i was thinking like because i don't remember this episode but i did remember at the end at the end of the night at the end of the episode i do remember the ending there that stuck that when i saw that like it brought me back but i thought it'd been cool if like you know they had jim duggan you know do the usa stuff and he walks into the building and then led right into his match you know i thought yeah that would have been, been cool a, a cool little open and then, and then you do the open with uh vince bobby and macho man but uh yeah that's you know like that's, like, that's what's so cool about this like we said raw it's like they're trying different things everything doesn't feel the same like last week we get this nice closing promo with bam bam biglow hyping up his massive margin eddie mm-hmm. on this show like I, I like that stuff and then we get to the bam bam and marty match and I think there were a few interesting things about this match. One, um, because Bam Bam is working with a smaller athletic guy, he gets to show his athleticism. And you realize, you know, we've been saying this for for a couple months now, but he's so good. And I thought uh, I thought Bobby made a good point where he was saying, like, you know, when when Bam Bam first came to to WWE. F 
and, and and Bobby would remember because they did the angle with Bam Bam in in '87 where all the managers wanted him, and the thing with Bam Bam back then was this big guy, this giant guy who was also so athletic and could do, you know, things that the smaller wrestlers could do, and you know now every big guy is like that today. But Bam Bam was was very much a unicorn in that in that way, and so Heenan was basically saying like, yeah, you know, Bam Bam, you know, when he started, like I loved his athleticism, but now he's turned it up a notch, and he is just like an angry and mean spirited and like you know guy, and so I thought that was really cool because the the point of this match is Bam Bam, you know, is the heel, and Marty is the small guy, and you know that's that's kind of the the story that they want to tell. Um, and and it, the other thing is is that this is sort of a new WWF because you know the big guy versus the small guy and though they didn't have Marty pin Bam Bam at the end but still you know Marty Marty goes over in the match and and he's leading to you know defend his title against another small guy so you know even even though that Bam Bam's in the King of the Ring. Like he loses this match, which is pretty interesting from a booking standpoint in in the land of the giants of the of the WWF, you know, of yesteryear. Well, yeah, and plus you can't really have. Well, it made sense to me because you can't have Mari just won the title last week, right? Yep. So you just can't have him. Um, you can't have him just. But he did get laid out. Like Bam Bam Dan did lay him out with the senton and. You know, he 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 was you know Marty wasn't he won the match but you know Bam Bam won the war and everyone got over in the match you know that match was really good and yeah. the highlight the highlight of the show and um, I really enjoyed that match um, that shoulder that first shoulder tackle that Bam Bam gave Marty and Marty that great spin bump was was awesome and the, and you know the I, the spin bump I love it. But people do it, and they always do it at the wrong times, <laughs> and it just doesn't look. I mean, it looks pretty. Actually, it does look pretty when people do it, for the most part. But it's just that it's just they just do it for that that moment in the match. This was perfect, right? Early on, boom, you, it, that is right away established. Like, holy shit, you know, Marty's in with a massive guy. You can visually see it, but now we can feel it, right? You know, and then. Um, the only thing I didn't like about the match, you know, they had Luna out there with Bam Bam, of course, because she's his manager or valet now. But then you had Sherry out there with Marty to counter, to counter Luna. But there's a moment in the match where I thought was so bizarre where Bam Bam hits the ropes, looks like he's going to go for the big headbutt. Um, Sherry grabs an ankle, his ankle mm-hmm. and stops him, right? But the camera doesn't really focus on it. You can see it from the far, the camera on the opposite, the opposite of the ring. But Vince... But so Batman turns around and grabs, grabs Sherry, but Vince calls it like he just turned around and grabbed her. Yeah, yeah. And it was bizarre because, you know, if this was Gorilla and Jesse Ventura, you know, Jesse would have called it, right? But Bobby doesn't call it. Macho doesn't call it. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for someone to call it. And it just, it just, that was just a weird thing. It's like one of those things where Hogan would just like rake the back and like no one would say, oh, you know say anything about him cheating but you know but it was just it was just a weird thing but you know i thought the finish was eh i think i mean i knew there was gonna be a non-finish right i know they're not gonna beat marty um they're definitely not gonna be bam bam um i thought the girls would get involved to where it was like a thrown out match no contest you know double dq or some sort 
But like, you know, I don't know why they had Bam Bam look like a goofball, like you get distracted by Sherry, right? Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cheap and and lazy. But they did give Bam Bam his heat back when he took out Marty and gave him the big senton. So I thought that was good. I wonder if Jim Ross is involved in it because there's a lot of layers to it, a lot of like you know. Because, you know, Sherry comes out again, and, and they end up fighting with Luna. I thought this, so it kind of reminded me of stuff from, like, Mid-South, that things would lead to another thing. And the only thing I was hoping for when, you know, Sherry was holding Marty and Marty's clutching his ribs because he's got that big senton, was, God, I feel like Sean should have came out and started giving him the boots, right? Wouldn't that mm-hmm, been, that, mm-hmm. that would have been killer at this, and, and unexpected. So I thought that would have been a great addition to this whole segment but yeah but you know this is definitely the match of the night and I, I really enjoyed it like you said sherry comes out and she calls out luna and um so they double team sherry and i mean this is kind of the thing every time with sherry is she always gets her blouse removed <laughs> Like every t- every time they do this this thing, is she's always got a, and I, and and it's n- and I I sort of get it because you know she's got a n- nice rack, <laughs> but she's also like not the slimmest, and they would always do this you know knowing that she's not like a very slim person. So I always wondered like why they did it. Maybe she was just totally okay with it for whatever reason. But um, so they do that, and then uh, our, uh, my guy. Tatanka comes to save her from the beating. Uh, so it's funny is because they did like celebrity people in the crowd on this show. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dwayne Shinsis, who was like a top, I don't know, maybe like a top 15 draft pick for the New Jersey Nets, uh, like 1991 or something. He was in the crowd and I recognized Dwayne. But then there was another guy later in the show that they showed. His name was Lee Rusan, who's a running back for the New York Giants. I did not remember that name, but uh, I kind of—it's kind of funny. It's kind of fun when they show you know celebs in the crowd or whatever, even even if they're maybe lesser known you know sports celebrities or whatever. But it's it's kind of cool when they do stuff like that. Yeah, it's cool, and uh, you know, specific to the, the the New York market where they're at, right? But like. Yeah, for me, I was trying to remember, like, I did not know the basketball player, and I kind of, like, the name kind of rang a bell for me for the, the football player. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I watched, you know, I was into the, I'm still into the Niners and stuff, but, like, a lot of football back then. So I was trying to remember, and I had, you know, the cards and all that stuff. So I'm trying to remember him, but, yeah, it's cool. I think it's good. It's always good. And they, always, they, they do that to the day, right? They always show, you know, f- local football players. Yeah, but now they're all, now they're all plants. Now they all get like front row tickets just so they can show them on TV. Yeah, like what's his name, our boy uh, for the Niners. Um, yeah, Kittle. Kittle. Yeah, like I literally at TLC saw him come in, sit in the front row, hold up the Connor Cure thing, and then <laughs> go to the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So next match is the Steiner brothers versus Rich Myers and the Executioner. Do we know who played the Executioner here? It's either Barry Hardy or Dwayne Gill. One of two. It looked like it looked more like uh, looked like more like Barry Hardy though. So the Steiner brothers win with a uh, bulldog off the top rope, which is always you know going back to the WCW days, always a, a really fun finisher. I how how 
bad is that to take though uh, i mean i guess if if unless rick really holds on to the head they're just kind of dropping but they're dropping from scott's shoulders in an uh, sort of awkward position i always wondered how dangerous that move was mm, not that dangerous it's more of a pancake bump but like you know just turn your head you know don't go face first down but we remember buff got hurt on that because he uh was it when he they landed he jammed his head on yeah. the shoulder so I mean, it can't obviously it can't be dangerous. Any movement pro wrestling can be dangerous, but that one, that one's fairly simple. Just uh, you know, just turn your head and you know, make sure it goes right. But the, the reason, but, but the reason why I wondered is because the bulldog, just the normal bulldog, some people would take the bulldog great, and some people would always like misstep and like Barry mm-hmm. Windham's flying, and then he's got to like pull back and grab the hair because he's lost the headlock on the on the bulldog so i just wondered like and and i guess that's a little bit different because you're actually running with the guy and this one it's probably a lot easier to do because rick's just jumping and and kind of catching the guy's head and and then bringing him down yeah yeah no problem i have no problem taking the bulldog and i would probably no problem taking this one this is i feel i feel fine doing that one now the steiner screwdriver (laughs) that scott did before this (laughs) Yeah, f that. I mean, <laughs> uh, Scott has big thighs and everything, and but like, he's a scary freaking dude. I don't know. I wouldn't trust that move. And I think this might be the debut of it, right? I mean, unless he, I know he maybe did it in Japan before, but I'm pretty sure he did Japan before. But uh, this is the first U.S. debut of the move. I'm pretty, pretty sure. Nick, Nick, our friend Nick will probably confirm that on our when he listens to the show but that that move is is just freaking nasty yeah our friend nick is going all over social media right now telling shoto aminu r.i.p because he's got a face box at dominion <laughs> um so the, the one thing that vince is doing in this show that's actually really cool is knowing that these are matches where the uh you know the the stars are going to beat up on on the local jobbers He's like, look, Razor Ramon lost to the kid. Like, this could happen. So I thought that, that was actually pretty cool. It's like, no, it's pro- it's not going to happen, Vince. But, you know, good, good way to keep people interested. Um, so Mr. Hughes faces a guy by the name of Bert Centeno. Who is, I don't know who Bert Centeno was. Yeah, I don't, I think, I don't remember him either. I think just a local, a local guy. But this match was like, God, it's too long. Yeah, this they, squash went forever. But they were plugging something, I think. So well, they so they they were talking about a couple things. So there, uh, I guess Mr. Perfect was going to play in some charity golf tournament with like some actual uh, real athletes, celebrity athletes, and then Bobby the Brain started talking about Bill Clinton doing something, and he called him Billy the Brain, <laughs> and Vince is like. Like, he doesn't want to be called that. He wants to be called the president of the United States. And, and he's like, no, no, no. Bobby's like, no, that's what, that's what he told me. He wants to be called Billy the Brain. So I was like, where did this stuff come from? Yeah, it's like weird because Vince started getting on him. Like, you don't disrespect the president <laughs> like that. And it, was just, it was like a, a, just kind of a random conversation. And I guess they're trying to fill time because this match was <laughs> snaking it up. Like, I like Mr. Hughes and all, but, like, man, just give him the sidewalk slam and be done with it. Yeah, exactly. So, King of the Ring report, they do add Crush versus Shawn Michaels in just uh, 
you know, a grudge match of sorts to the King of the Ring lineup. Uh, and then Hacksaw Jim Duggan faces Mark Thomas, and uh, Duggan wins with his with his uh, big clothesline. Uh, have we seen Mark yet? Yeah, we saw him a couple weeks ago. He's I talked about him, you know, being a good athlete and because he was he looked like he had a really good physique. Yeah, he does, and he's a he's a good athlete. And I remember seeing him on a sh- like one of those random shows that were on sports channels. So it was promotion from New York. I think it's in a- NAWA. The con- and he was the Condor, and he was he was getting ready I think, to wrestle Hercules or something like that. And I just had one show on tape, and he had like a match and a promo, and I remember liking him, and I remember like liking this, when he would show up on TV and you know do jobs and stuff. I was like, wow, oh, man, they should do something with that guy. He's he's, he's good, and he's just never got his big big break. And this match, like, I'll tell you what, man, it did not. It really stuck out how old. Jim Duggan is. Yeah. This is nineteen ninety three and he's about to go on a whole run in WCW. Right, yeah. At the end of ninety four and you know, I Jim Duggan was like one of my like I like I loved him. But then like when he went to WCW and I was fine with the WCW, but then like he beat Steve Austin like in what nine or eight seconds yeah. for the US title at Fall Brawl. Like I could not stand this guy. And then he kept doing the Tate Fist gimmick and like ninety five Jim Duggan was just like ugh man yeah, I mean what I'm mean, I just remember WWF Jim Duggan and UWF Jim Duggan but like WCW Jim Duggan was just like hard to watch for me but this match here like he's so slow mm-hmm. I can see why he was uh, toward the end of his career here in W WWF they do an interview with the kid. Uh, and Razor has upped his ante of $5,000 just for the kid to get back in the ring. And the kid says, you know, it's a great offer. You know, it's, I, I, I get it, but I don't think I can do it for fear of what could happen to me in there. <laughs> and so the kid is saying, nope, I'm not taking your money. I'm not getting back in the ring. I actually don't even remember what happens here, so I'm like really excited to see what happens. Yeah, I was funny. Somebody, I said the same thing. I'm like, I know they wrestle again. I yeah. know what happens, but I don't know how they get there. So, well, yeah, I'm sure we'll find out next week. And then, the, you know, I know it leads. Leads. I know they get back in the match. I know what it leads into after that, but I just don't know how they got here. And I thought the promo was kind of. It's kind of goofy. <laughs> it, it, it was it was very much like he, you were supposed to feel that he was not ready for prime time, and because he was not a, a, a big time superstar, like he was, you know, he was a young guy who lucked into a win, and of course he's not well rehearsed on the mic. So I thought I thought it worked, but it was just funny because you know I just saw Sean in person uh at Starcast so just you know to see him I don't know how old he would have been at that time but you know to see him now gosh you know it's 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 almost 30 years later not quite but uh you know 26 or whatever years later they should have um, opened with the promo with like him like confused like what camera to look into yeah. you know there's like one camera still like oh over there okay we're on okay we're starting out like you know like because like he's just like a rookie but it would have been kind of a cool little thing and then you know this is you know vince mcmahon still knows what to do here because obviously what this promo does is it leads into razor getting into the ring against tony roy and savage 
is heavily invested in Razor losing for whatever reason. So he starts the one, two, three chant with a crowd. So they're trying to create this chant, which eventually turns into uh, Sh- uh, Sean Waltman's name in WWF. And at first, like Savage is really working his ass off to get people to do the chant. And I'm it's dying. And I'm just like, oh, man, this sucks. I, you know, I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember this dying like it did. But then all of a sudden the fans just get into it and, you know, Razor's, you know, mad and he's, you know, then, then, then that, that gets them to do it even more. So they start the one, two, three chant. And because Razor is so frustrated with this chant, he gets schoolboyed and uh-huh. almost loses the match, which was awesome. I love that. And then, you know, you get to see one of my favorite looking moves in the history of pro wrestling, the Razor's Edge, which looked devastating but also like the coolest move when i first saw the diamond stud do it i mean i'm sure someone did it before but that's when i first really saw it uh and i just love that move for whatever reason so like i got everything out of this razor match that you know i wanted to get out of it yeah i like i like this match and i like the story and i like that tony roy got the got some like hope spots hope you know hope moments there when uh the roll-up was great and you know vince was setting this up you know from the earlier show talking about how like oh anything can happen we saw what happened with one two three kid and and yeah the chance did get over because yeah raise herself right yep, now, yep. fans are joining in and um shoot that's before the razor's edge how about that back suplex on the top rope my god i don't i didn't watch this twice actually that that, that. Th- that move always looked great too he could that like i don't remember it how much he did that in wcw like you know because he was in wcw for a while but i always loved the way that that thing looked yeah he did in wcw and he also did it in well of course wf and he also did it you know, when he went back to WCW, it just that move always scared the hell out of me. And this one did this. I thought like I don't even watch it because I thought he murdered Tony Roy, Tony Roy. But he, um, it, 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 was, it was a rough, it was a rough day at the office for Tony Roy. And uh, the same, same with Razor's Edge, man. That was that was nasty looking too. Um, I, I like can't, Chris, I can't imagine like just taking that on your. To, on the top of your shoulders like that it just looked like so jarring mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's it scared the crap out of me i kind of would do i mean anytime you're going backwards off the top rope is pretty scary that's it's basically a high school boy at the top yeah and um but if i was like uh like but like, like the only one i you know chris benoit would do the same move right but like his look a lot safer <laughs> than this than Razor's, but I don't think Razor had a reputation hurting anyone. And and you know I rewatched it and he did land correctly and stuff. And he was tucking his chin, so but it just looked nasty. So for next week, they are teasing Jerry Lawler bringing the King's Court with Yokozuna. They also talked about a match with. Um, the the uh, the eight man tag that they're gonna have at King of the Ring with um, the uh, the Steiners who's on the Steiners team oh Steiners and Smoking Guns against the Head Shrinkers and Money Incorporated and so they're like doing a tag match where the partners uh, split from each other and and uh, and and a team with the other team on their side. And so doing, you know, just doing a little, you know, they do that all the time now in in WWE where, you know, you're going to have a match and then, you know, the the, actually they do it now where 
the people who are facing each other are on a tag team for whatever reason. Uh, but but in this one, they're 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 still teammates, but they're they're splitting them up so it's just a normal tag. And uh, and then they end the show. They they didn't tease this at all in the beginning of the show, from what I can remember. But just late in the show, they're like, oh, by the way, Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji are here, and. I pop every time when Mr. Fuji calls uh, Vince McMahon boy-son. <laughs> it just makes me laugh. And uh, he, I, I was not very comfortable listening to them use Memorial Day as a way to get heat for uh, Yokozuna. Um, just probably unnecessary. But Vince teased that Hogan would be on the show next week. So we've talked about how he's been gone and uh, it looks like he's going to be on the show. I don't, I don't remember if he actually is, but Vince teased it really hard. Yeah, I, thought, I actually thought Vince was pretty great in this little segment, especially... It's so over the top, though. Jesus. Well, I kind of I liked it because Fuji needs a lot. You know, Fuji always needs a little help with Fuji, right? Yeah, he yeah. Just, he's not clear, and this is why they brought Jim Corden in and... Um, and, and right when they started raiding the flags, you know, Jim, Jim Duggan comes out and he's waving the flag on the balcony and then Fuji's raving the Japanese flag at him. Like I, for, right when, that's when I remember this episode. It was like, that's the only thing I really remembered on this episode. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. Remember they did stuff like that. Cause they used to, you know, it's just, that's when I'm like, oh yeah, I do never remember this episode. So. Yep. Yep. That's all I took from it. Is like I remember that part of it, but uh, I thought Vince was like if sometimes Vince overtop Vince just just like entertains me because like he's doing like his dandest to get whatever over right and like you just can't be like as a performer you, you have to be inspired by that you know like if Vince is into it like you gotta get into it too you know and that that uh, it's just you can see why. Definitely, my fence makes a call to add Cornet to the group, and mm-hmm. I know Fuji wasn't really happy with that when it happened, but and it needed to, it needed to happen. Yeah, no, totally. But uh, anyways, <clears throat> I'm I'm really looking forward to King of the Ring, even though I've watched this show a, a few different times already, um, and I feel like even though I know wrestling is so uh, down during this period of of 1993. I, for whatever reason, it just feels fun to me, and and this may, you know, I don't know what that says about about today's wrestling, because like you said at the top, like wrestling is really great right now if you're looking for matches. But this show, like, I feel like if this show was on uh, every week, I would watch it live every week for the one hour. Yeah, yeah, and so that's probably probably what the appeal is for us too. It's like it only takes us what without commercials, what forty two minutes yep. to watch this show. So. Yep. Yep. You know, and then like I just I can't sit through it raw anymore. I just I there's no way. There's just no way. I thank God for DVR and the Come on. Forward, but... you, you you don't want to see them tease that Brock is going to cash in three weeks in a row, and for him to not do it. No, I, I don't even want. I don't even tune to SmackDown <laughs> <laughs> to see what are the hell they're doing. You know, it's just it's just three hours is too long, folks. Ooh, damn! Oh. So, are you gonna watch the show from Saudi Arabia this week or this weekend? Yes, I'm watching it. Yeah, which is Friday, right? Friday, Friday. Yeah, so I'll watch it. I mean, it's around my lunchtime anyway, so I'll probably do catch whatever's gonna be on there, and then I might watch it later at night. And then when's the New Japan show? Is that Thursday? And- Sunday, Sunday morning. Sunday, Sunday. 
Yep. I'll probably watch that. I'm definitely going to watch that probably in the evening as well. Uh, yeah, so I the only thing I'm vaguely intrigued at with the uh, Saudi Arabia show is I kind of want to watch Goldberg and Undertaker, even though I know it's going to be a disappointing match, but I just want to see the walkouts, the stare down, kind of what they do. The, the match I do not want to see is Triple H and Randy Orton. Um, and I'm intrigued at, you know, the Brock thing. They've been teasing it and teasing it and teasing it. And, and I think they probably teased it, you know, one week uh, too much. But I do want to see what they do with Brock because, you know, they always keep him special. And um, I can't imagine that he doesn't actually win if he does cash in. So it, uh, I, those are the two things I mentioned. And nothing else on that show is interesting to me in the least. But um, and you know, there's stuff that politically that I'm frustrated with that show about. But, uh, but yeah, like those are the two small things that I'll probably at least pay attention to somewhat. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in same with you, Undertaker, Goldberg. I just, just want to see what they're going to do. You know, and like, like I said, we know they're not. This is not you know whatever, twenty years ago or something like that. But, but you know, I just want to see how they handle it. Who goes over? I I assume the Undertaker will probably win this match, but. Uh, the length of it i assume it'll be short i think it should be fairly quick i you know i it would be best for everyone and 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 i'm curious to see what they're going to do with brock i, I think it's a continued tease i think they think it's going to get a lot of heat they keep teasing it teasing it teasing it but i think it's just gonna what the heat teasing it too much it's just gonna die quickly yeah what i'd actually do with goldberg and taker is sort of similar to Goldberg and um and Brock from that that one match that you called with the with the quick spear and the quick win mm-hmm. and the reason why I would do something similar is because uh I would just set it up for uh Undertaker to get his win back at WrestleMania because at least and, and you know you could tease them uh at SummerSlam and you could tease them at Royal Rumble to just to do something uh, to just to get people excited, because not I mean not not that I would get super excited about a, re- a WrestleMania rematch, but you know if you think that far in advance about what could Undertaker do at WrestleMania, nobody wants to see him against John Cena, nobody wants to see him against Roman Reigns. Like we've sit, we've been there, done that. But if you could you could give the fans a little bit of something on this Super Showdown, but don't give them everything, mm-hmm. and you make it compelling, then maybe people would be interested to see it again uh, on a bigger stage so I, I could see them doing something like that but probably they'll have undertaker win just you know sort of like you said but if if i was doing something like that i would i would kind of do this and then tease it tease it out and tease it out and tease it out and then have it you know as one last ride or whatever if they do it for undertaker at, at wrestlemania yeah it's not much there's not many specialty matches left for undertaker right especially for wrestlemania too so yep yeah that'd be, that's a good idea but I, I just I just feel it's going to be quick, and then Undertaker's going to get his hand. Yeah, me too. I feel the same way. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, so we are done here. Uh, so thanks to Doin, who well, I, well, oh, go ahead. Well, I want to make mention of the passing of Aoki and All Japan. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was pretty ch- ch- shocking. You know, forty-one years old, motorcycle accident. I literally just watched his last match like the night before. Because I watched the June second show, and 
I just couldn't believe it when I saw the post on our group. Yeah, you know, I've been off social media. I've been just like, just really like busy at work, and that's just I haven't gone on that stuff that much during the day as I used to in the past. And uh, it's just, it's just, it's just sad, you know. Forty-one, same age as myself. Uh, you know, he was a really good wrestler. A lot of people, if you haven't seen his work, I mean, I put a match up on our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just recent. Yeah, pretty very recent in April against Kento Miharu, which was a great match. And he was a very important guy in all Japan. He he booked, he trained all the young guys, and you can see the young guys they have are pretty solid and it's definitely due to him and I just read you know, it's been kinda of like I've almost been avoiding social media because of this. Honestly, like I just it's been really sad on on my Twitter because I like I follow a lot of you know, Japanese wrestlers. Yeah. And, I mean and and it's going to have a strong impact on the company. And and um, it just brought a lot of memories, too, because I, I lost a family member in a, in a, in a car accident. I lost you know, a couple, two, actually. And you know, one a motorcycle accident, one a Jeep accident. And just like, I think it brought a lot of those old memories, feelings back when that happened. And, and, and that's just, just, just a whole big... Oh no, man! It's sad. So it's just it's like another reminder of, you know, live our life to the fullest each and every day, and make sure we hug the ones we love. And and uh, but he was a hell of a wrestler, hell of a talent. One of the if I could have to compare him to anyone in the ring, like you remember how smooth Bright Armstrong was in the mm-hmm, ring, mm-hmm. like just looked like he gl- like glided and everything was effortless. Like that was a Yoki, but he was like really smart. He was like. He was like a like a like a Tanahashi kind of like guy. Like he he did things he did things because it made sense for the match, not for him. Like you know he's not gonna do things out of like the story. Like you watch that match with Kento Miyahara, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Like he is a junior heavyweight feeling in the spot for the Champions Carnival Tournament, which is mainly heavyweights, and he just you know he was really good and definitely missing the cards. I'm definitely gonna. See what they're gonna do because he had a big match coming up on June 18th versus uh, Hikaru Sato, which is his tag team partner, and he's gonna defend his junior title against Sato. And I'm pretty sure Sato will wrestle probably Iwamoto for the vacant title. And it's gonna be a it's gonna be a very emotional match that you know I'm not really looking forward to watching because I know it's gonna be very emotional. But uh, yeah. yeah, so. No, I, th- I think it's a perfect message to go out on uh, because that's that's how, you know, that's how you got to look at stuff like this is uh, it's just a reminder, right? It, 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 you know, it, it sucks that someone had to lose their, their life for you to be reminded that you should live yours to the fullest, but that's how it happens sometimes. But, uh, yeah, so we will end with that. Um, and, and uh, yeah, thanks to Doin for jumping on for the first 20 minutes to talk about the Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz match and the Triple G fight this weekend. And then thanks to John for all of the stuff that we just talked about in pro wrestling and at the UFC. Uh, And I'm Double G, and we will see you when we see you. Peace out.